In 2021, Talk About It Outdoors partnered with an industry-leading brand that has stamped its name on the outdoor industry. Cruiser Saddles in itself stands on perfection, and with every climb we make, we elevate ourselves above the rest. In addition to a support to our hunting journey, the men and women behind Cruiser believe in the same principles of life as us. Faith, family, and the blessings of being better as they go in every sit. If your desire to pursue your passions one step ahead of the rest, go ahead and get in the best. Check them out on all the socials or head over to their website at www.cruiser.com. That's C-R-U-Z-R.com. And tell them to talk about it outdoors, boys, and Chasing Weekends sent you their way. The journey of life has a unique way of being able to create tried and true friendships as we go. In forming those relationships, oftentimes good things come to follow. Talk About It Outdoors is proudly supported by Cal Hardy of Arrowhead Land Company. Cal is the leading broker over Georgia and is happy to assist you with finding the place where you can call home. With vast knowledge and an understanding of the ever-evolving real estate market and a unique old-school approach to everything he does, he exemplifies what it means to treat others like you'd want to be treated. Don't settle for being just another number in a phone. Choose Cal Hardy for all your land, home, and commercial real estate needs and become a part of his family. We sure are blessed to have him as a part of ours. Find him on Facebook, Instagram, or give him a call at 770-296-2163. Step back to the times when a feed store was more than just that, and the people inside smiled with friendly faces and provided a place for a talk on life, as well as all your essential farm, livestock, and pet needs. Cherokee Feed the Seed located in Ball Ground, Georgia, with an additional location in Gainesville, are the hometown supplier of all your cattle, equine, and pet needs, with the added addition of being able to keep your deer herd healthy with protein and minerals. They also carry an assortment of hunting blinds and gear, and you can rest easy knowing the people that support local ball clubs and children's sports are who your hard-earned money is going to. The people here greet you with a handshake and a smile, and Cherokee Feed and Seed give more than just a product. They give you a welcome that'll make you return time and time again. Stop in next time you're in the area and tell them you're part of the Talk About It Outdoors family. A few years back, when an overbearing and overgrown backyard became an eyesore, I looked for a solution to resolve. LRS Land Services created a stunning and complete transformation turnkey at an affordable price with their mulching services. Not limited to mulching, LRS can provide turnkey grading and clearing, maintenance, right-of-way clearing, and even development for any and all forestry needs. With an innovative outlook on what is best for your land and a completely different approach than others, LRS can transform your overgrown eyesore into a beautiful landscape of your dreams. Give them a call at 404-889-1105 or check their work out on Facebook at LRS Land Services. Logan and his team are ready to make your land brand new again. Building the foundation of your life starts at the base, and the stronger it is, the better. 
Talk About It Outdoors is proud of our strong partnership with United Concrete and Paving and the foundation of support they provide. Whether your new home being built needs concrete work or that driveway you're tired of beating all the bearings from your pickup needs a paving, Michael and his team can provide any residential or commercial project support you might need from the ground up. If you're tired of tripping over that unsettled patio slab or a future shop build needs a smooth start, United Concrete and Paving can get you going when you need it most. Give them a call at 404-831-3036 and make sure you tell them them TAI boys are where you heard it first. You ready, Nick? Let's do it. Everybody, talk about it outdoors coming to you from the Cruiser Saddle Studio once again. Nicholas Wilts and Alex DeBoer, Joshua Underwood, and Mr. Tyler Moore in house with us tonight. And we've got TikTok superstar, the legend of Higgin and Outdoors and Power Calls coming on with us tonight. You're going to know the name, and I promise you by the end of this, you're going to know about his turkey calling because I, re- I-, I promise you, Nick, he can talk about it in another way coming. Y'all pull up a chair and sit a while. Almost got myself tongue tied there. I was excited. I've been watching this on board for a while on TikTok. I'm, I mean, I've, I've been posting myself trying to learn how to turkey call, and that's all I keep hearing. Follow this guy. Follow this guy. He's going to show you how to call. And judging from everybody going over and seeing him at NWTF this past weekend or a few weekends ago, it was a lot of fun to see. It was a lot of fun, man. I, I was a. Uh... I kind of I started following this guy a couple of years ago, and we went to NWTF last year when you weren't able to make it up there with us, and he was right across the hall, right across the booth from us there, and uh, we was able to hear him all weekend. And what a nice guy, man! Come by and had a. He was actually on the show up there with us that we dropped out, but um, yeah, looking forward to this. I got a few questions for him. Well, and and questions indeed is something he does a very good job with. If you follow along with him on any social media, you'll know that Bo Brooks is a guy that wants to give back to everyone he's working with, especially the youth of America as far as turkey calling goes. Anyone that came by that was a young man that may have had a turkey call in his mouth, he was asking, which one are you playing? And it was often one of his custom calls, one with his signature brand on it, and it was pretty neat to see the things that he's been able to do in the turkey hunting community. For me, as a novice or a amateur that you want to call it, uh, getting into turkey hunting, it's pretty neat to see how he explains how to do things, and I'm sure he'll be glad to go into that stuff tonight. Yeah, I want him to tell the story about how he. Um, let's just get him. Let's get him on here. I got a question for him. <laughs> well, Bo Brooks, welcome to talk about it outdoors. Hey man, I'm super stoked to be on here. We appreciate you taking the time to come and be with us. Uh, it, like I said at the beginning, you do so so well with your fans, so well with the people that come up to you, and uh, it's it's a, a very neat thing to see the, what you've been able to do with the turkey call, and and it's a great story to tell. So Nicholas, go right ahead, uh, give it give it away, ask him whatever you want because I got some questions of my own. Well, I know, I mean, everybody knows him as probably the turkey talk, you know, turkey caller on on tur- on TikTok, Bo. You just didn't wake up one morning and start calling like that. Where did you learn to start calling? Because I remember you telling me this story about sitting in a vehicle or something in a parking lot. You know, um, yeah, so I, I actually grew up on the West Coast. You know, I didn't grow up in Southern Roots hunting turkeys my whole life like y'all did. You know what I mean? It's not a big deal out there, which 
is a blessing and a curse. If you want to become a better turkey hunter, there's not a lot of good wanting people to teach you. You know what I mean? We kind of had to learn as we went. And I remember showing up to the Nashville convention. I was 16 years old, and I heard uh, Jim Pollard, and Jim's a four-time Grand National Champion. I heard him call because I thought I was hot stuff on my old primo's mouth call. And I looked at him, and I, I, I t- looked at my dad. I said, there's, there's so much more out there. I had no clue. And obviously, I mean, after that, I, I bought up 12 of his calls, and I'm like, I'm going home. And I, I practiced for a good year. I remember, like I was talking, like you were just talking about, I was sitting in my car. And, you know, I was, you know, it was after school one day, and I was driving around. And, I mean, all day, every day. I would say six hours a day at the, at the least I was practicing mouth calling. And one day it just, I just hit, and it was, it's, it's, I remember it was a front end yelp and that's been the hardest as, as you guys, if people that follow me, I, I call elk, turkey, um, waterfowl. I mean, pretty much everything. The hardest thing I've ever had to learn was how to make a front end yelp on a mouth call is you're activating that second read. I mean, just so many different things go into it. And I remember I hit that note. And I went, whoa, what is this? I finally hit it. And it went another few weeks went by and I couldn't hit it again. And I mean, this, this, this is the first turkey season I would be going into it with this calling style that I learned. And I finally started hitting it more often and often and often. By the time I got my first turkey season, I was like, oh, my gosh. And I didn't think it was going to make that big a difference for me. And I went on a hunt that I've always gone on. It was a youth hunt. I take kids out hunting in uh, Oregon. And all those turkeys that I used to, and I mean, I've been hunting there since I was uh, nine years old. All those turkeys that used to take me, you know, 30 to 30 minutes to an hour were all running in within five to 10 minutes. And I was calling them off the private that they'd never leave. I'm like, okay, there's something to this now. And then obviously the rest is history. I, I learned from a lot of incredible callers, you know, and just pick and choose what you can learn from everybody. And everyone was so nice to me. And that's why I kind of, I brought, I kind of want to give back to everybody because everyone was so nice to teach me. I want to teach them what I learned. You, so. Who were, who were some of the most influential, influential people? I don't even know how to say that, Alex. <laughs> influential. <laughs> yeah. People so, to, that you looked uh, up to. So, Shut up, Josh. So I said that, it close enough. <laughs> <laughs> some of the guys that helped me out a lot, um, Scott Ellis, he helped me learn how to run a V-cut style call, which is a big deal to me as I've really liked the sound of it. Like being able to get a front end on that, which is a whole other level. Like if you can get a front end on a V-cut, mm-hmm. you can get a front end on any call because there's no opening or anything. That's it's it, it was and it took me forever to figure that out. And we'd hunted together. And so Scott Ellis was big. Mark Drury, I mean, Mark helped me just as just being a turkey hunter. And um, Aaron Warbritton out of out of everybody from the hunting public before aaron did the hunting public he was just my friend and i was practicing uh for grand nationals and every year he would all he was the one person who would always answer my text message i would send him text messages like what do you think about this he said well slow that down try this speed this up because if you didn't know i mean aaron warburton's a very a very proficient caller um you know and so he helped me out a lot and then Billy Yardis too. Billy, Billy's been very, very helpful for me and he's uh, with Woodhaven now. But, I mean, I've hunted with him for Goulds and a few other things. But well, the biggest thing for me after I got to a certain point was being around all those great callers. And I learned different things from different people just by listening to them as well. You, you know. You know, you say, you say in that a few people ask me sometimes, like, learning. I think I even told Alex, like, you know, if you who would you go watch if you want to learn how to use a, a diaphragm and – 
I said Scott Ellis. I mean, he he's got some perfect old YouTube videos out there, and I think he's he's a perfect yep. person to to learn from. He just goes in his backyard and and squats down and and just does a re- great job with it. He does. He does big time. And I had watched his videos, and they helped me out a lot. And then uh, and then uh, and then we started we hunted together a few times, and that was huge. You you made so. you made mention of uh, you said Billy Yargis. Yep. Yeah, I, I watched yes. some of his stuff. And and but I still go back to that. I, I guess you find somebody you like to watch, and Chris Parrish was I, who I told you I really enjoyed watching when I was learning how to do this. And yeah. he's somebody that teaches very very slowly and very well. But I'll tell you a video that I found last night actually watching was Michael Waddell. Michael t- did a very very good video for Realtree on showing how to you know the art of turkey calling. I thought that was pretty neat. Mike, Michael's it. Michael's an incredible caller, man. Now, he, he really is. When you first started, and this is a question that kind of, I guess, uh, eludes a lot of conversation. When you first started calling, were you having a problem like choking on that call at all, or was it just coming natural to you to have yeah. that? No, and I don't think it ever comes natural for anybody. I think that it's going to tickle your tongue or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like um, when I first started, though, I was, um, I was, I would say ten. 10 years old when I got my first mouth call and I remember it being weird. I couldn't make noises on it. My brother was actually more of a natural than I was. And I, I mean, obviously that my, my, I couldn't deal with that either. I'm like, no, I'm going to be the best turkey caller ever. After that, my little brother, my dad's like, Oh, your brother sounds better than you. I said, no, 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 no. I can't have that. <laughs> I said, the boy doesn't even like to hunt. My brother doesn't even like hunting. So it was, it was a crack up though. He, it has, it, Thank him to this day. Pushed me a little harder, but no, man, it was, it definitely, definitely was, uh, definitely. And everyone I teach, man, when they first put that call in their mouth, everybody's got some sort of deal. And then even running that front end Yelp, like I was talking about changing from using the flat part of your tongue to the tip of your tongue, totally different again. And it's going to, you're going to have some, you're going to be uncomfortable. And even like me to this day, if I run the call on the left side, like on the left, if I take the tip of my tongue and put it to the left side of the call, totally foreign to me compared to the right side. That's pretty, that's pretty good advice there because a lot of, most of what you see in teaching how to use a mouth call is they give you the basic. You were the one Nicholas that told me, Hey, put this over here, move it down here as I'm trying to learn and figure out how to do different things. And and it's repetition basically. I mean, it's, and it's getting, my problem is, is I can't remember how I did it the last time. I get it sounding good one time, then I put it back in the next. I'm like, how did I do that again? And I guess it's just practice. So that's the thing. You got it. That's you got it. That's it. And that was just like what I was talking about. I hit that front end yelp the first, and I went, "Ooh, how did I do that? How did that just happen?" And like you said, it's repetition. And in my opinion, it's trying new things, moving your tongue around that call to find different notes. Because a lot of people they put it in there and they put a flat tongue on it and they just try the same thing over and over, you know, at a certain point you got to move the, your tongue around that call and you're going to find different things on that thing. You know what I mean? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, now do you have to trim yep. much of your tape down bow or? No, uh, no, nope, I don't trim any of it. Uh, but that being said, my palate's pretty much made for a mouth call. You know what I mean? But I have lots of customers and friends that I cut down the tape for. Mm-hmm. And I have I, more, I'm actually coming out with a youth series called this next year. Um, and just because of the amount of kids that I have that reach out to us, they're like, Hey, I really, or, and adults are like, I have a small palate for women. They're like, I, I can't run your calls because they just don't fit. Even if they trim it down. And so 
there's definitely something to that. So if you know it's not fitting in your mouth right, if it's not hitting the roof of your mouth, go out and try that smaller frame call. Do you suggest people to bend the frame some and then trim the tape, or just trim the tape? You can bend this. You can bend it some, but it's going to change the sound of your call because right. that's going to lose tension. Right. I yep. think I've read yep. into that when I bend a couple of those, I was telling you I'm bending these things and then hell, I couldn't play it. I mean, I would, I would get it bent and I'd put it in there and it'd sound totally different. Like Bo said. All right. So yep. when you, now that you've got, you know, become a dedicated mouth caller and you, you've killed some turkeys with it. When did you first decide you wanted to get into competition calling and, and what kind of stroke that off for you? Um, I've always been a competition caller since I, I entered my first goose calling competition when I was, uh, when I was nine years old and, um, I've, I did, uh, waterfowl for the most part. And then we don't have turkey calling competitions where I'm from. I went to grand nationals, heard it that first year, practiced that whole time. I'm like the next year I went, I'm like, yep, I'm calling. And I called that year, got my butt whooped the next year. And this is an intermediate. So this is a younger bracket. Now I got fourth the next year. Um, and then, I did a few other competitions around and ever since I've been working for power calls, though, I kind of quit doing the calling competition thing just because, man, I'm so, so covered up at these shows. Like every second that I'm away from the booth is um, a second I could be spending with these people that drive all the way across the country to come spend time with us. You know what I mean? Now, so you're not calling uh, competitively any, any longer. Is that what you're saying? Uh, right now I'm not. I will. I mean, like I, this summer, I, I called the World Elk Calling Competition. Um, I, I won the World Elk, and oh, so wow. I, I'm definitely yeah. yeah and I'm, I'm trying to be the first person to ever win World Elk, uh, Grand National Turkey, and a and a waterfowl world. So I'm nipping on the heels of a waterfowl. Like I'll do World Spec here in the next few years, and um, and uh, Grand National Turkey. I mean, I just I haven't I haven't entered for like six years. So I need to get back into it. I'm ready. I'm, well, I, I'm definitely, definitely ready to do it. Now, before we go off too deep into turkey hunting, take us through the, the waterfowl calling. Are you, are you a big waterfowl hunter? Absolutely. Yeah, big time. All right. So in that realm, and, and we don't hear hardly anything about waterfowl calling. Now, we've hear, heard the, the elk you know, calling. We see it online, but I, I don't know that it's just because it's not the circles we run in, but who are some of the names in, in that space that kind of stick out to you as far as great callers? There's a lot of great callers out there. One of them is my boss, Kelly Powers. He's a, a champion of champions, triple crown winner, like just incredible goose caller, duck caller, the whole nine yards. My other boss, Brooke Richard, um, he won World Live Duck. Uh, I, I worked with Kyle Jones. He won um, He's won World Goose twice. Uh, there's some just incredible callers out there. I mean, a lot of them, you know, there's uh, Fred Zink and, you know, I could go on and on about all the different great callers that are out there, but you know, yeah, I I think we just don't hear a lot about waterfowl in our circle and, you know, and callers of it. And it's a, it's a big sport in itself. You know, we all talk turkeys cause we're in the South, but waterfowl calling, it's a, that's a big to do in the, in the industry itself. Oh my gosh. Big time. It's huge. And so that's, that's kind of where, that's kind of where my, a lot of my focus is. And, for 108 to 120 days of the year, if not more, because we're a waterfowl decoy company first. 
you know, waterfowl decoy and, and uh, we make waterfowl blinds and all that stuff. So we're real. I'm really immersed in the waterfowl world. Oh, always have been. It's, it's, I love waterfowl calling and hunting. Growing, growing up on the West coast, was it hard to find a turkey calling competition? There, there's no such thing. Really? Oh, wow. We, we started one in Oregon one time and that was because I wanted to go to grand nationals and I had to get my cousin's dander. <laughs> really? <laughs> Yeah. Wow. So they, part of the reason I get really frustrated is I, when I'm on the West Coast, I'm like, you know, you guys are keeping me out of Grand Nationals because of because you have to qualify, you know, and I'm not flying halfway across the country to go to a to a state competition. You know what I mean? Right. And so they keep it. And so for a long time there, that's part of what was keeping me out of it. That's interesting. So, I, th- I would think that that it would still be as pop. I guess it's with anything. You know, we talk. What you don't go to, I guess. Utah looking for whitetail deer expos. I mean, it's more of a mule deer elk kind of thing out there. Yeah, it's, I'll tell you, the amount of turkey hunters you guys have here versus what we got at home is it, it is not even close. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Everybody likes a turkey hunt in the south. And you live in Kentucky now, correct? Yep, yep. I do. So, yep, going from that west coast swing to these eastern gobblers, was it harder or was it easier? Well, it definitely, definitely was harder. There's definitely a lot of learning curve to me to, to what I had to, I had to, you know, I'm used to calling them all the way to the gun barrel and you don't do that with Easter's for the most, for the most part, you know what I mean? Staging the temperature is super important, but you know, luckily I had a lot of people that taught me a lot of things and we get to spend a lot of days in the woods. So we've learned from our mistakes and learned from their mistakes. And it definitely, uh, best thing I could, best thing I could, uh, give give advice to somebody that's coming from the West coast to hunt Easter's just say, shut up, <laughs> sit down and wait, rake some leaves a little bit. You know so, what I mean? Compared so to what we do. You feel like you can get away with a lot more calling out West. That's what you're saying. You won't kill turkeys unless you're calling them all the way to the gun barrel. Gotcha. So yeah, they're, they're super ADHD Western turkeys that, you know, Miriam's and Miriam's and, uh, and Rio's man. Like if they aren't gobbling at you, they're not coming for the most part. You know what I mean? Right. Like I, I double and triple goblin. Like I want them. I want them triple goblin every time I call. <laughs> right, and they can they can put down some miles too quick. Yeah, no, yeah. You stop calling at them, and you sit against the tree, and you think they're coming in. You haven't been calling. I promise you, he's about a mile away from you now. Right. Do you think that hurts you, yeah. Nicholas, when you went out there the first time not calling enough? Absolutely. I've, I just thought yeah, about that. I've never heard you. I've never heard you I mention from the that. South going out there. Yeah, for the yeah, first exactly. Time. So I wondered. I wondered if that. Did you realize that while you were there, or did it come later on in your? No. I, and again, I think you go out there, not not just going out there hunting on your own with by yourself on some on some heavily populated public land, and you, you don't know what you don't know what to do. You know, you're just you're trying to hunt. You're trying to think of home because that's the only thing you've hunted. So then you go out there and you're like, it's completely different. I yeah. mean, those birds again. It's a, and it's a, it's it's kind of a different a different like how you hunt the pressured birds there is different than how you hunt the pressured birds in the south. Well, you know, I one of our m- most popular episodes that we've ever done was Dave Owens, and and he says, you know, an eastern turkey has a point A and point B. A Merriam does not have a point B. I mean, they wake up in the yeah. morning, they may not roost in that same. They may be within three miles from that roosting tree that they roosted in last night. So well, that's that was what was so crazy when I came down here. Like they're in the same tree every day. Right. 
So what do you, what in the world? I'm like, I'm used to them. Like they, if where they end up is where they end up. And they've got like five or six roost trees and they do like circles. It could be two miles. It could be four miles. You know what I mean? Right. And so. Why do you think that is, Bo? There's so many great roost trees and they've got to move to get on food. You know, you guys have a lot. I feel like you guys have a lot more food here and better habitat for the turkeys as well. I mean, I, there's lots of stuff out there, but they're on grasshoppers and all sorts of stuff like that. And they're just, they're just built to move. And I mean, the other side of it too, is there'll be 300 turkeys in a field in the winter at home. And they all get these giant groups in the bottom. But as soon as that snow melts, they'll go from, you know, 3000 feet to 6,000 feet. They'll, they'll migrate. There's some turkeys that migrate 10, 15 miles up the mountain. And they're you chasing know, that water. Is that what they're doing? Chasing the water up, chasing the no, snow no. Melt? They're chasing the chasing. They're chasing the snow melt, and so okay. the the snow melt is the is the newest greenest grass. And usually, but turkeys want to live. Really, they want to live on the top of that mountain. That's where they want to be. And so, you know, they'll lose turkeys on the way. There will be a, in a lot of those places. You'll see turkeys in the winter. If it's past April twenty eighth, May first, you won't see a turkey in it for the rest of the season. They'll all be gone. They go all move up the mountain. So it's kind of, it's really interesting. You go from 300 turkeys to zero. And you just got to chase them up that mountain. Makes a lot so, of sense going back to talking to Shad and the way that they hunt them in Utah and the way that they chase that snow melt. If you don't have a heavy snow or if you don't have a heavy snow, it kind of hurts some turkey hunting because I guess it scatters the birds more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'll tell you, though, if they're scattered, they're also very vulnerable. So that's just, that's, that's just like growing up there. I know where they all, where they're, they're in the same drainage year after year where they push up. Like if you were just going out there on a whim, I could see where that'd be really hard. You know what I mean? Like if, 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 if I pull up to this Canyon, I know that I go through 25 canyons and I know there's going to be turkeys in this back Canyon. You know what I mean? And so that's just kind of, there's lots of turkeys there. Like, but like you said, they're spread out. That's why I, I wait till they're spread out to the max. I hunt. I like hunting from May fifteenth on. Really? At home. Yep. Well, that, that, then, that, then they don't have hens. Well, that makes me feel a little bit better because last year we went the. I want to say we went the third or fourth week in April out to Idaho, and then this year we're going the second week of May because we just felt like they were yeah. so hand up. It was so freaking hard to deal with them. Like, don't get me wrong, we heard plenty of birds. But God, we couldn't do nothing with no, them. No, it don't mean anything. <laughs> no, it, it, when the when the when a Miriam gobbles, it doesn't mean a dang thing. You can feel when it means something when they're gobbling. They they'll start gobbling on themselves. When, oh, 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 oh. You know, <laughs> I call it tripping tripping on themselves. Then you know they're about to come running. No, I, I'll tell you that's I, the, everyone's like, "Bo, you gonna come back for the first few weeks?" And I used to guide, and I'm like, uh, "No, you guys can have that. I'm gonna hunt birds in the south in April." <laughs> well, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll take I'll take turkeys in the south, and then I'll then I'll move up there when when uh when a, when they're right. Well, do you prefer a hard a hard goblin eastern, or do you prefer a I call them pin raised Merriams? Oh man, I like uh, man. I don't know. It's hard hard to say. I like mountain turkeys. So like North Georgia, Idaho, Montana, Washington, Oregon, anything where I'm in the mountains. I don't care what subspecies they are. I got you. Yep. Yep. And do you prefer elk over turkey hunting? <clears throat> uh, this is a tie, man. I can't choose it. One, but one's thirty days and one's sixty days for me. Gotcha. So, 
Do you deer yeah. hunt at all? I got to get it in there, Nick. Give me a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. We deer hunt. Um, Lex, my wife, she's way more into deer hunting than I am. I, I, I grew up hunting blacktails and mule deer, so um, a lot of spot and stock. Not uh, not not as much sitting in a stand, you know. Um, but as far as whitetail hunting is concerned, I, we actually kill them on migration paths they come off the mountains at home the whitetails I've, I've killed a few pretty good whitetails doing it um but man i anymore i gotta pick my battles i got i'll hunt deer for a few days but then it's, i mean waterfowl season is we have our show and i have a i have a, a youtube series and we got our show so i'm i'm pumping out content during during the waterfowl season i bet i bet bo don't sit down long enough to deer hunt <laughs> i bet he don't sit down long to turkey hunt I bet he's always on the move. No. <laughs> Bo's feet works like no, my no. mouth does. I, he, <laughs> he talk, I talk like Bo walks. He's wide open. So. I would hate to keep no, up with him talk. turkey hunting. Oh, dude, I, that's what I, I mean. North Georgia, man, up there in those mountains. Dude, I love it. I eat that. I love that. I'll eat that place alive. I feel so good because it's really not that high as far as elevation goes, you know, compared to home. So I just feel like a superstar. I'll run up and down those mountains and get in there like, I'll ride my bike in like three miles and then put another mile in that like wilderness areas that are up there. Dude, it's awesome. It's about the only set of tracks that are in there. Now is, is, did you come to Georgia just for just to hunt some public ground or did you come with some guys? I I did it by myself. I've done it last year. I've, I've never actually hunted with anybody down there. I just sleep in my truck and go from one public spot to another. Shoot. Yeah, man. Um, so yep. are you, you're filming your own turkey hunts now too? Yeah. Yep. I know that. I know that's yep. a challenge cause it's a challenge for us too, but it sure does make it worth a while oh, once you can get back and review some footage and, and check it out. But, um, Oh yeah. I love it. I think that's, that's the next series of questions I want to go into Bo, and kind of how you got into the, I guess the outdoor industry. Now you've, you've always been a hunter. You've always been a caller. What, at what point did you see it as a, as a pathway you wanted to to pursue it as a career being in the outdoor industry? You know, that's a great question. I'm not, I, I, I couldn't tell you per se. I've just always known. I quit when I was a freshman in high school. I, I was a three, three sport athlete and I quit all my sports. Um, I, I was like, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be a professional basketball player. I'm not going to do track too slow. And, uh, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to pursue, uh, whatever this is. This is what I like to do. This is what I'm going to do. So I, I chased it pretty hard and I don't know, just one thing. It just, it seems like one thing has always led to another for me. I've just been super lucky, but I don't know. We, we, uh, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. I've just always known that that's what I wanted to do. And, you know, I've been, before I worked for Higdon Outdoors, you know, Dave Smith lived right down the road from my house and Dave was a good friend of mine. And I, I filmed videos for him. And I, I mean, as a 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 year old kid, just with a handy cam filming turkeys, beating up decoys, you know, I've always done it. And, uh, I, I started guiding and, um, luckily where I was guiding was, a all, it was only industry people. And so I, from the time I was 18 till 23 or 24, 
I, I was guiding elk hunts and mule deer hunts and turkey hunts for like Leopold Vista and um, Faradine, you know, and just just got super lucky. Well, and I don't think I don't think it's a luck thing on your part. As driven as an individual as you are, you were going to be successful in in however you pursued it. And watching you in the outdoor space, not just on your TikToks or or you know any kind of publication, but meeting you in person for the first time this year, you're as genuine as it comes when it, it in conversation. You know, Nick's like, hey this is Bo and you were like, Hey man, what's up? And you were like that with everybody. I mean, and that's, that to me goes a long way. And I think that's, I think that's a very refreshing thing. It's what we try to be like when we meet people, uh, you know, and we're, we're nowhere near as recognizable as a figure as you are in the industry as of today, but it doesn't really matter who you are. You keep that very humble approach to yourself. I think that goes a long way and, and it's very well respected and received for guys like us that, we're, I mean, we're consumers. We are looking mm-hmm. at everything that you're doing and kind of taking little things out of it. So, you know, hats off to you for, for the, for being you and genuine as you are. Well, I'll tell you one thing I've had, I've been in this, I, 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 I mean, my dad, he's been in this industry. He was a bow hunter and, um, he, elk hunter and, uh, I've been in the industry around it my whole life. And I, I've met a lot of people that kind of shrugged me off and I met a lot of people, uh, the people that were always nice to me, no matter what, always stuck out to me. And I just, I just told myself, I said, I'm going to take, I want to take the time for every single person. You know what I mean? And at Higdon, you know, that's one thing that I've always been, to- we kind of talked about at Higdon. You're not better than anybody. You can't, there's no, no need to act better than anybody. Treat everyone with respect and, and, that's just, it's a big deal. It's part of, and luckily I've worked at a place that's got values like that. You know what I mean? Because, you know, it's, it's just, I think that taking the time for every single person you meet and because, you know, if they took the time for me, it would mean a lot to me, you know? Yeah. And and I would notice him. I would notice him each, each and every time somebody would come up to talk to even us last year, you didn't know us from nothing, man. You came over and sit on the podcast and chit chatted with me and Cody and, even though you didn't, you didn't feel that best the next morning from a, from a late night at Broadway. But, um, you man, you came yeah. over, you came over and t- chatted with us. And even those little kids, man, you'll post them on your TikTok. Those little kids will come by and call for you and you'll just, you'll help them out in any way possible. So I think that goes a long way. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I'm, I was that kid not too long ago. Uh, if I can help them out anyway. And honestly, at the end of the day, they need a good role model in my opinion, because what's going on in today's world and if got to get them outside and got to keep them in a, in a good space because we've got to give them something worth looking up to. And, you know and what I mean, and even the comments and, and it's sad that people do this, but people get on your TikTok and people say stuff, you know, very hateful about the way, oh, yeah. you're, about the way you're calling or the way you look or anything like that. And you just, you just shrug it off and, and y'all yeah. y'all sit there in your office and you know get a chuckle about it. And- oh yeah, and that's what I love about him because he's he's like you or me or any of us. You know, make fun of me all you want. Yeah. I don't care what you think of me because you're just pointing out your own flaws when you're doing that stuff. I I like when people point fingers at me and they're like, oh he's look at those skinny <laughs> ass over there. Oh that's fun. Yeah, you know that's all good. And I just laugh about it, and you're the same way. And and I think that's the thing that when people don't get the reaction they seek out of it. 
they kind of leave it alone because they they've already they've already lost the battle. And I I think that's a big thing that you do a very good job of combating and making something funny out of any situation. And the negativity out there, it, it's gotta it's gotta wane on you at times. It's gotta be like, God, does this stuff ever end? But you do such a good job well, of hiding that stuff. Well, luckily, luckily too, I've got a really sweet community too. I, those those people they see that comment if they see it ever do they just are right on it they're like why would you say that and then that 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 gives me a little bit more like you know it's just a few few bad eggs in a in a pond of just amazing people right. you know what i mean it's yep. just like most of the people and i i'm listen, i'll put it on my story just because i i put it on this on the page is you know what if you're willing to if you're willing to say something that mean well, I'll make sure to put it up there, and we'll laugh about it and joke about it because it's, you know, <laughs> golly, man, it's most it's, of the time you, you know, find you a lot of people that hate on the they hate on the negativity way more than you would expect them to. Oh yeah, yeah. I I I don't know. I'm very I'm very blessed to have a lot of people that are willing to stick up for it too. And I think that it's, you know, you're gonna say something mean like that, you probably I I I delete a lot of them, but you know. What do you do? I love the people that refer you to Bailey Zimmerman. <laughs> you have to correct them on that. Oh my gosh, dude! It's every day. I actually at this NWTF, I met his, I met his drummer and his uh, bass player. Really? One night, the last night we were there. Yep. Yep. You yep. know that's Super that's nice another guy. guy that's getting hammered right now on social media. They have they have <laughs> raked him over the coals, but I there's been a lot of people that have supported him in it. You know, yeah. I mean, I like his music. I think he does a good job with it. <laughs> hey, hey, Bo, um, tell us the, tell us the emotions and and what went through your head when you when you were crowned that world elk competition. Uh, it was a lot. Um, I've been trying. I've been second to last like. I don't know how many years I've gotten. I've, I've lost to uh, Corey Jacobson. Corey's one of the best elk callers on the planet, probably even more incredible human being. And I, I'm not saying probably he is an incredible human being. Um, and I've been calling it all these at the world level on multiple different species for some time now. And elk has always been the closest. I've been right there. I lost by half a point last time. And I'm like, I am, and I, I've honestly, you know, we had some judges in there that they didn't like my calling style that much before, and I've had to kind of dial back how I call, and this year we got new judges in there, and I was able to let loose, do it my own way, and I, I won by a lot, and it, dude, it just was like, I mean, that's, there's no other way I wanted to win it, to be honest with you, like, I was so overwhelmed, that's, I, I was crying, which, I mean, you can't, can't be can't be too good to cry. I mean, I've I've been working at this since I was a kid, you know, and I was like, holy cow! It, I I didn't think I won at first. I'm like, it, it, I I had a double elimination at the end, and I had two left. So because I hadn't lost the whole time, but I'm like, there's you know, every time I've gotten up there and I thought I won, you know, I hadn't. And this time it it was like it, I think it was six to one, and I went, holy cow! And I'm, my mom, my dad, my wife, my brother, my boss everybody was there and i just man i just overwhelmed now is is this just um i don't elk hunt so forgive me but is it just bugle elk uh bugling is that all you had to do no no we got a cow sounds okay cow sounds bull sounds and freestyle 
<laughs> What's yep. freestyle? I got to ask because I've never <laughs> listened to an elk calling competition. It's uh, it's just a mixture of everything. Cow calling. I'll have to send you guys a video of me ripping on the freestyle. You guys would love it. But it's just, it's it's wild, but coming from the West Coast, uh, dog with the freestyle, <laughs> yeah, I like it. Yeah, so I uh, I um actually built everything that I won won with too. You know, I've had through the years. You know, I've been asked to work for a bunch of different companies, and I always told them no because I always wanted to do my own thing with that with the Elk Collins stuff. And you know, like I said. You know, I didn't. I did it all with my, all my own stuff, and so I was just super stoked. It was really cool. Now, is this all diaphragm calls? All diaphragm. Yep. Okay. Yep, diaphragms and tubes and stuff. Okay. And so, yep, we built it all. It was. It was. It was super cool. It was just a super special moment, man. What is the What is the difference? And I'm not asking for how you do it, but what is the difference between a a diaphragm elk call and a diaphragm turkey call? Uh, so there's no overhang. That's the best way to explain it. So usually it's a single read or a double read with no overhang. So the overhang on a mouth call is what gives it rasp, you know, the tip of that call or the, the ghost cut wings or any of that stuff that overhangs on the top read. Well, instead you take that top read, move it back. And so that it's pure. So there's no rasp whatsoever. Okay. Yep. Would that be the same as for a predator call too? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Most predator yep. crawls are double read. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I I don't use a lot of predator calls. The one I build is a double read. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Yep. I just yep. never I never mess with those or mess with the elk call, so I didn't know what the difference was. I know you. Got, I know you're always blowing it. Now you you blow a diaphragm call as a goose call too, correct? Or is that just yeah. or is yeah. that just what you mess with? <laughs> It's just, it's not for hunting. I mean, it's just for, it's just for showing off, honestly. It, I mean, nobody, I've never heard anybody on this planet be able to, I mean, do it until this year after I did it last year. Some guys are catching on, but I'll, I'll flip that call over. And I, I remember I was, I did a snow goose about three years ago. And I was like, wow, there's something to this. And then I was practicing, I wanted to do world uh, live goose. And I was using a tube call, and I'm like, dude, this is the same thing as a mouth call. I could literally do this on a mouth call. And I started practicing with it, and one day it just clicked, and I'm, holy crap. Do you think, Bo, that, that the the aspect and the, the, I guess, the demographic of all the calling competitions, now you spend a lot of time at trade shows and things like that, is it getting old? And when I say that, is the age demographic getting old, or is it making a comeback for the younger population because of guys like you? Uh, as far as competitions or just calling? Just, I mean, competition calling, let's, let's go with that one first because you look at the guys that are winning calling competitions. I mean, Matt Van Sys just won number eight, so – course he's he's yeah. top of the mark but is it getting younger i mean we saw gavin win you know the pulse division and we know gavin well it, it, so is it is it getting the old heads are kind of dying out and it's it's a dying art or do you see it still surviving through the younger generation or, or is there not going to be it in 10 years from now i'm definitely scared of turkey's the only one i can see it living living on um waterfowl i can see it i can see it dying out very quick um Elk, like there'll still be elk calling competition to some extent. Turkey's got some tradition in there, and it's got some young guys and 
I mean, it's still a pretty old group of guys. You know what I mean? Like, I, I say old. I mean, comparatively to me, you know, there's not very many uh, Bo Brooks and Hunter Wallaces in the in the turkey space. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you, so you uh, got a lot of your your middle to upper age guys that are still competing in the in the turkey calling. Sure. And I was curious if it was the same across the board for for competition calling. There's a lot of people that should be entering in it, but I think that. Um, I think that it, it's just, I don't know, it's its slow, it's kind of dying out a little bit, but I think that, I think NWTF's doing a great job of keeping it alive out of every, every I'm, because I'm, I'm in all the industries as far as calling goes, and I'm, NWTF's doing the best job, and I would say the people that are doing the turkey calling competitions are part of what's keeping it alive. They're all very humble, very nice, very respectful, not not wanting to help people, not putting anyone down, not acting like they're better than anyone. That's the biggest thing for getting new people into it. You know what I mean? Right. And I think that being, I think that's why, what Turkey's doing such a great job with. And it would be, so for Turkey uh, calling its NWTF, for elk calling it's the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. Is that who runs all of it? Yeah, Rocky Mountain. RMEF, yep. And then, Waterfowl, I mean, there's so many waterfowl calling competitions out there that are big ones right now. Ducks Unlimited, is, is that, do they even have a turkey calling? Or, I mean, excuse me, a duck calling? No, I think this the Chamber of Com- Commerce of uh, Stuttgart, Arkansas, like the, there's a world duck calling competition. They put on one. Then World, world Live Goose is right by Molly's up in, um, up north. They put on World Live, World Goose, World Live Duck. And then there's a spec calling and snow calling and um, uh, a few other competitions down in Louisiana. Um, and then there's a and then there's other big competitions. I mean, big big competitions around uh, Presley's and there's some there's some big ones. But that that one I can see that one I can see dying out. Are you chasing the forty nine for turkey hunting? Yeah, if I would just stop going back to the same places I like. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I can't get off that dang Georgia, man. I love Georgia. Really? I got all these other southern states I need to hunt and I've gone I went to Alabama last year. I'm like, why am I going down here and hunting these turkeys down? I'm like, I could be in Georgia right now. A uh, real oh, quick I I just Yeah. Go, go ahead. I was just saying I just love hunting them in Georgia. I just I just can't get enough of them. Somebody asked me today, what's an out-of-state Georgia license cost? We're from Georgia, so I don't really know. I never look it up. I think it's like $163. I got but I, I use I think there's a there's a three-day option or a five-day. I can't remember. Okay. And that's what that's what I would get. And then um I mean it but it's changed too since I didn't hunt last year. Before that it was a three bird deal. Yep. Now it's two bird and I can only kill one per WMA. Yep. And so things are changing. Yep. Do you have a, but, a favorite WMA to hunt here? I mean, if you don't mind saying, I'm, I'm just wondering how close you're hunting to us. <laughs> I don't know if I'll talk about that on there. I don't, I don't, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Well, I, I can tell you this. We're in Cherokee County. We're, we're in North Georgia. So if you come down here hunting birds, you don't need to find a hotel to stay in. You need to holler at one of us and you come stay with us. I'll just sleep in your guys' yard. I got a tent. No, uh, no, nah, we got, we, we'll put you in the studio. We got an we got we're gonna have an apartment soon that we can put you in. So perfect. Yeah, I, if, if you're hunting North no, Georgia I, mountains, you're within 45 minutes to 50 minutes from us anywhere you're hunting. So. Yeah, that, I I don't blame no, you for I'm, not telling. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell us all things. Oh, 
No, I, I keep it. I, I, man, it took me, I've been hunt. I would, so when I was working for Higdon in the beginning, like I was guiding and stuff. And so I had like a little in between time between Oregon started and I, I wanted to go turkey hunting and, and I got done building turkey calls for the year. And, and because I wasn't full time at the time, I would take two weeks and go down to Georgia and just, just hunt down there and learn. You know what I mean? And man, it was, it was, it took me a long time to learn it. But now that I've learned it, man, gosh, it's so much fun. I'm just like, I went down, the last time I went down, I went down and hunted for a morning and shot, called in two big old long beards. And uh, it was the one I shot is like 11 and a 12 inch beard, big old mountain bird. Didn't weigh very much, but had big hooks. And dude, it was awesome. I'm like, there's just all that time and effort that I'd been putting in the last few years, just learning, just paid off. I'm like right to the spot I'd hunted like 10 times before on the edge of some private and i'm like oh yeah this is this is where it's at josh you got those out of state fees for anybody listening that might be out of state wants to come hunt a turkey yeah so for non-residents uh the big game license for annual non-resident it's 225 for one day it's 130 and you can get additional days excuse me you can get additional days for eight dollars yeah yep so that's that's yeah, I remember it like one sixty eight. That's fairly inexpensive compared oh. to a lot of other states. Absolutely. That's yeah. one of the oh things cost prohibitive a lot of places. I, mean, I think I think Idaho just for one bird it's two fifty. I think something, I don't know. Well that's with the license and everything. And yeah, I think yeah. it's ninety for the bird. Yeah, I think it's ninety yeah, for the other bird. And I think I bought the Oregon one this year, but I just got a three day pass. I think it was one twenty five, which is not terrible, but you're Still, only hunting Oregon for three days? Three days, that's it. So you're going to Idaho and then driving over? No, I'm going to Oregon first. Oh, well, look at him go. Yep. I know I know where I'm going to in Idaho, but I don't know about I, – I know where I'm going in Oregon. But. <clears throat> well, I can tell you this. Do not kneel down anywhere that you don't check the ground first. <laughs> I, Bo and Nick went out to, uh, to, to hunt in Idaho last year, and he knelt down on the ground. They heard a bird, and he his knee – landed on a stray left behind broadhead that was left there. Ooh. One of the be- one of the craziest stories. We should have why didn't we video that and put that out on a reel cuz you probably thought you was dying. So I, I was I don't know how many I was a couple of miles back up off of a paved road on a dirt road on a service road on some potlatch yeah. and come around a corner heard a bird and kneeled down real quick and told my buddy laying next to me on the ground I said I, my my pants are getting wet for some reason. And got up, and sure enough, it was we dug it up. It was an iron wheel broadhead left there. I guess somebody had shot shot at an elk or something. My knee landed That's right funny. on it. Yeah, what a freak accident! I still freak. to this day just just. What's the, the? I guess that's a good question to ask Bo since he's traveled all over the country. What's one of the craziest experiences you've had, Bo? And that may be a on the spot kind of question. So if you need to think about it for a second, I was I was hunting I was hunting potlatch last year, and I was calling. I had a bear charge me. Ooh, ooh, there you go, Nick. Get you some of that. Yep. Really? Yep. Yep. I was sitting there. I was calling and I was videoing and I didn't turn my camera quick enough. I'm sitting there and I'm calling. I got these three birds just hammering in, in, in Idaho. And I look, I, I hear, I can hear something on the ground. And I look over like, oh, oh sorry. Got to bleep that out. But I mean, that's exactly what I said. I said, Dustin. And my buddy Dustin, and he came up to about 15 yards of him, and then t- he smelt him and turned and ran off. 
Nobody's like, what just happened? What just happened? I said, uh, that was a bear, bud. Was that a black bear? (laughs) Black bear. Yeah. Yeah. You imagine we are. He's, he's, he's a commercial fisherman from Alaska. He didn't scare the black bears. And I mean, I've grown up around him my whole life, but he was, I mean, he was coming in hot. I was like, Oh man. And so no, man, it, I mean, it was, that was, I mean, as far as turkey hunting goes, that was, that one was pretty wild. I I don't, I didn't see no bears out there last year. Blaine swears up and down. Well, he saw a mountain well, line coming through some of the thick stuff, but I never, I never put my eyes it. on. You got to be careful with the cats too. There's lots, lots of cats, but luckily they can run them with dogs there. So they keep them pretty cleaned up compared to other places. Can you get if a you cat go, tag you go to California? Yeah, you can cat hunt there, like California and uh, Florida. They can't, they can't hunt cats, and so oh, that's where you got to watch it. Bo, I, I, I know you're from Washington, and you probably hunted all that Oregon and Idaho, and and I don't know how far you went over to Montana, but have you had any grizzly bear experiences? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So so I um, Montana. I I where I hunt in Montana, I see them every day, and so. This is, it's not where I turkey hunt per se. It's where I waterfowl hunt and where we, we've moose hunted before. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I was going out with my wife and I'm like, okay, hey, I got this pothole pond that I like to hunt. It's out in the middle of a wheat field. And I'm like, we, uh, I'm just going to wait till daylight, see what the birds are doing. We haven't scouted it or anything. So I'm like, I pull up and I look out there. I'm like, is that a cow on the dike? And we're like, I mean, we're a hundred and. 50 yards from it and in the truck and i look i said oh my gosh there's a grizzly bear and 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 and, I'm, and lexi's like are you kidding me i said no a grizzly bear if we went in there if we would have sat sat like put our decoys out we would have been sitting in the clump of tulies with that grizzly bear i'm like thank the lord I, the good lord was watching over me because i am so glad we weren't sitting in there i've had quite a few encounters with i i don't mess with grizzlies i don't care about black bears they, i'm not scared of them at all grizzlies dude i do not mess with them but you haven't seen any turkey hunting no no i haven't seen them turkey hunting no i haven't um i thank the lord because i'm on the ground more when i'm turkey hunting than anything it's like but i've been well i've been moose hunting in montana you're like literally where i turkey hunts like 45 minutes away but it's a little bit more um it's a little bit more populated mm-hmm so the, the grizzlies kind of stay a little bit higher. Gotcha. Yeah. But yeah, no, man, they're, they're all over. You got to be careful when you're hunting Montana, Idaho. I wouldn't worry about it much. Uh, obviously. <laughs> right. Um, but as, as far as grizzlies, grizzlies go, I would want in, in Montana, dude, you gotta, there's certain areas that have them, certain areas that don't, but I mean, there's elk hunters that get tore up every year. You know, there's just not enough Turkey hunters that they would get tore up too. So what do you what do you consider those birds? And, and I've heard Merriam's, but the, I ran into a guy that's I guess he's a part of a NWTF chapter out there in Idaho last year, and he was I for, I forgot what he was like. He was calling them mutt turkeys that we were hunting. Well, in Idaho. I killed I killed easterns there. Um, in a certain part of Idaho, they dropped off easterns around this one reservoir, uh-huh. and uh, and they were transplanted. There was um, Miriam's on one side and Eastern's on the other. And I'll, I'll tell you what, I've, I've killed turkeys there that you, it sounded like you were in the Georgia woods and I've actually got a video. I'll have to send it to you of two different birds gobbling. One sounded like, oh, 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 oh. the other one is Bruh. right next to each other. Like you could hear the difference. It was, it, it's 
pretty incredible. So what does Idaho recognize them as? Miriam's. That's what I thought. But I'll say I'll send you I'll send you some pictures of them. They're chocolate birds. That's the the one I killed last year. He was really chocolate. I mean, he wasn't even white like a true Miriam, and and that guy just told him they they just called him a mixed breed out there. Um, yeah, and I have one part of Montana too that I hunt, and it is one thousand percent purebred easterns. One th- and they they illegally brought them into that part of Montana in that one valley. I mean, it is. I mean, I'd have to send you pictures, but I'm telling you, these these birds are chocolate. And they they sound like uh, Easterns too. Now, now the east the east side of Washington and Oregon, and they consider those Merriams. And then when you get to the coastline, they consider those Easterns. Is that right? Yeah, if you ever see one on the like we have the we have uh, Merriams and Rios on in um, central to eastern Washington, and then uh, western Washington we do have Easterns, but I've never seen one. Gotcha. Like they they brought them in, and there's a lot of people that have finished a Washington Slam, which is all three subspecies. I would love to. But I've never seen one. Gotcha. Have you completed a single a season slam? Uh, yeah. Wow. Yep. I usually I usually do two a year. Oh, like nice. if I get both my Osceolas, I'll go get them. You know, because Washington and Oregon, I'm gonna get my Miriams and Rios. But usually, I shoot between Washington, Oregon, Nebraska, and South Dakota and Wyoming. You know, we'll kill. I'll get I'll get all my Miriams and Rios, and then between Tennessee, Georgia, and Kentucky, I'll get a get a few Easterns. Shoot, yeah. Well, he you said know. ghouls it's earlier. A, what is what is that? Or golds? A gold turkey? Golds. What is what is that? Golds. They're the funnest. They're the funnest turkey to hunt on the planet. I don't think we've they're, had anyone uh, talk about those, so I want I want to hear about them. They're um, they are if, as far as size goes. And I'm not saying blocky because an eastern is really blocky. A Gould is very tall, and it looks like it's got an ostrich track. And when they gobble, they sound like this. They go, they sound like a deep Miriam. And you'll find them in New Mexico, Arizona, and all of Mexico for the most part, except for the areas by Texas. Those are Rios. And, man, I've hunted them quite a few times now. I go down with Jay Scott, and, dude, you're, you're hunting turkeys that have never been called that in their life. It is incredible. Is it just hard to access to get to where they live? Or just nobody hunts them? Nobody. No, no. Like, these are all ranches that, like, Jay's got a lease up or whatever. They're like, you know, he's got all these ranches. And he only allows, like, he's like, hey, this is your ranch. You get the whole ranch to yourself. It's it's pretty incredible, man. And they're just they're just built for filming and hunting, man. They just come running in dead sprint. They beat the crap out of the decoy. I mean, it's just incredible. They're p- as pure white of a fan as you could ever imagine. And their fans are actually, I would say, they're twenty to thirty percent bigger than any other turkey fan I've ever seen. Really, but they live in the mountains in Sonora and Chihuahua, and then one other one other state in Mexico that's a little farther south, but they live in the mountains and you, you'd just be amazed what they live in. It's just beautiful. Some of it's uh mesquite tree flats with some oaks in there. And then I, I've hunted that and, and Sonora. And then I go over to Chihuahua and you go up in the mountains and the pine trees, which that was just the best. I, I felt like I was hunting birds in Oregon. Right. It just made, it made me so happy. You know, I, I'm, I'm always clicking my heels together. I'm no place like home. Right. And so, just 
felt like the best experience you could ever have. <laughs> That's awesome. But, so, but yeah. what, go ahead, Alex. I was just going to ask, there's one more. Is it an oscillated turkey? Is that the yep, one that's I actually, I was talking to a guy yesterday and he's a friend of Jason Hart's and he's like, you got to come down out yesterday. It's, it's so funny. You bring it up. He's like, Hey, I'll have you come down. He says, I think that he says, I think you're the only one that could call him. He's that he's a Fox pro to call him in. And I know how to, I know how to call him. I have a, I have a goose call that I said, I sound exactly like him. And I, and he heard me doing it. He's like, I want you to, and I'm like, I told him, I said, I can't do it this year, but I'll do it next year. So I'm going to go down and try and film it. And, and I want to be the first person to really call him on video. Why, why do they have like, to use an electronic call? They, the only thing they do is they gobble. And it's like a, it's crazy sounding, dude. You have to look it up and they, they drum while they do it. It's, it's insane. And they've got, they're just the wildest looking turkey and they've got, also, they've got giant spurs and it's just incredible. Where are they at? Uh, I would say middle America, southern southern oh, wow. Mexico, middle America. Oh wow, okay. they're the ones that look like uh, almost like a peacock, kind of. I guess you'd almost, compare them to. Yeah, maybe okay. maybe like a maybe like a like a crazy looking peacock. You ain't never seen them. Mm-mm. Oh, you've seen a picture of them. I know. Sure, There's yeah. not a doubt. They've got. They almost have um, kind of like. Um, moles on them that are the same color as their face they're, they're they look like oh, yeah, they have berries stuck to their face almost okay yeah huh. yeah they're they're super cool I've, I've never had any interest in hunting them because i can't call them i'm like i've been asked to go before i'm like ah no right. <laughs> i don't i don't have any interest to shoot them unless i can call them and the guy the guy told me he says dude i think that you could call them he said they're, they're super hot in march he said that's when they, they they'll come into a call really well he said i want to see if you can call them in like okay now we're talking bud um i can do that so bo what's uh what's what's on the radar for this year what states you got you hitting uh man i don't know golly i'm I'm definitely going to florida and i'm definitely going to the pacific northwest you know i'll go home middle of may in between there i think georgia i'm gonna hunt georgia i actually picked up a buddy, I, I met some guys, and they, they're really nice guys. They've been asking me for a few years. They got like 10,000 acres in North Georgia. And they're like, we don't even really hunt them. They said, we don't care about them. I'm like, well, I, I care about turkeys, so I'd love to come and hunt them for you. So that wow. was that's that's a, probably the highlight out of my year. I'm so freaking stoked about that. But, um, man, I'll probably hunt – my wife and I will hunt Kentucky. And, uh, man, I besides that, I mean – Wherever the wind blows me, you know what I mean? Right. What about um? What about this question? Because I heard this on another podcast the other day. Traveling to the uh, – traveling out west like that, like I'm sure you fly into Spokane, and um, how much different has the airport – Where the hell is Spokane? Ain't that the name of it? Spokane? Ain't that the way you say it? So, so, I, okay. Spokane We're politically correct in the I, south I now. Don't, I don't fly into Spokane. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> My, my family's actually from South Southern Washington in Oregon. And so like I, I go into, then I go home and drive out of there. I have to go grab my truck, my old green truck. But, uh, how, what, what was the what was my, question? My question was, since I was getting politically correct here in the South, um, if, if now going into these airports, 
how much has it changed now that you run? You probably it's probably you probably didn't run into hunters ten years ago flying out like you do now. Is that correct? Yeah. No, it's the same. I'll be honest with you. It's uh, the same amount of hunters. Okay. The guy we we've I, always I, had people from Pennsylvania and stuff like that to come get their Miriam. You know, right? Uh, the pressure's been very similar. It's 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 a long ways for people. Just to be honest with you. It's so far out there that a lot of people just they just don't think about it. You know what I mean? Even even though it's great hunting and stuff, it's just China is the farthest part farthest place away from it for everybody. Right. You know, they get they all get hung up on Wyoming, Nebraska, Kansas, those states, you know. And so it really has not it to me it hasn't changed much, but I'm I'm kinda I don't go to the popular areas. You know what I mean? Those popular areas are and it's kind of a lot of the guys go to the popular areas and they get burnt out pretty quick. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I can so. I can attest that because we went to the Black Hills a couple of years ago and it was just it was beat up. We went late. Uh, bad oh, it's, it's bad Black decision. Hill, the Black Hills is tough as about anything, dude. It's it's uh, people think they're just going to go to the Black Hills going to be the best hunt ever, dude. It is it is tough. It, it was <laughs> it was very tough. It was it, we went too late and. Yeah, maybe one day we'll swing back out there, but uh, it'll be a while. Um, Bo, yeah. last question for me, man. What um, give 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 the um listeners some good advice, man. I know you got some stored up. I know you share a lot on TikTok, but what what's something else that you don't share too often on TikTok that you can leave with the listeners? Well, what I always tell people, I mean, just more than anything, is and I, and this will this will ring in everyone's mind because it rings in mine all the time. When you think that you should stand up, go back to the truck, wait an extra 30 minutes. Amen. <laughs> I, I can tell you, nine times out of ten, I get back to that truck, and he's gobbling right where I was sitting. Amen. I, I, I love that advice, man, because I, I've done it myself, and I know anybody that turkey hunts long enough will do it. They'll get up and stand up, and there he'll be. Patience kills turkeys. That's right. Patience kills turkeys. And, I mean, I will say, and I, I will, and on the other end of the spectrum, don't give up at nine o'clock. Like if he's done and you know, he's done, you know, something happened. Don't just go home, hunt the rest of that day because uh, dang it. The best time I've had for killing Easterns is nine o'clock to two o'clock. They yep. just, that's, if I can get them to gobble, then I'm uh, There's a damn good chance. I'm going to kill them. And so as far as, I mean, that's, I've, that, that's just something that I've just persistence, persistence and patience kills turkeys. And so I'm trying to think here. I've got, I've got all sorts of stuff that I, if you're going to go out West, um, don't stay in one spot, be willing to, I mean, I put a hundred dollars with a fuel a day chasing turkeys at home. That's good advice. So, yep. You don't have to walk in deep at home, drive around on the logging roads. You'll light, light them up. You could, you'll spend that much here. If you drive uh, up and down the ridges long enough, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're right. That, that's what I, that's what I, I'll tell you. Georgia just reminds me so much of so much at home. That's why I like hunting it so much. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. I bet that's why you like chasing them so much here. Because, but we don't we don't drive that much, or you don't drive that much here. I mean, you go for a morning hunt at one place, you stay there, and if you don't have any, well, luck, what's like, cool is you got like four four to twenty times the amount of turkeys. Like you can just take off walking in those WMAs in Georgia, and you're gonna run into a turkey eventually. It just it just and sometimes you run into five, you know. 
Yeah, at least I, in my experience. I, I still think you guys got way more turkeys out west than we do here. Yeah. I, yeah. I, now, now, if you would if you would have asked me that, you know, eight years ago here, ten years ago, I would have probably said, yeah. you, know, you know, just know what I know. But I mean, we our bird numbers are way down, and I'm sure you've been hunting Georgia long enough that you you know it by now. Well, it's honestly, I've seen it in Tennessee more than anywhere. You know, I'm going and seeing, you know, four or five strutters per field and then maybe two in every other field now to maybe every five fields. It's really interesting to see that. But what, what the, the biggest thing for me is, like, your guys' turkeys are more condensed than ours, if that makes sense. Right. Like, at home, I've got to go a long way. It's like, I can go to a WMA that's, let's just say it's a 3,000-acre WMA. And I can, if I ran around in the morning, I wouldn't be surprised if I heard 10 or 15 birds on it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You've got to go across a hundred thousand acres to hear fifth, you know, 15 birds, unless you're in, in the hole, you know, at home. Right. And so it's just, they're spread out. There's just more land. If that, if that makes sense. Well, and just some, something him saying kind of brings up an interesting topic that it's up for debate right now that Tennessee Turkey decline could it be related back to no night hunting allowed in Tennessee with thermals or, or night vision or whatsoever, you know, for predators? Like we can hunt them in Georgia you, and Alabama should, and everything else. I think you should be able to kill predators whenever you want, but that's just my opinion. Well, that's, that, that's my opinion, too. I always said legalize it in Tennessee because I'd leave with the thermal tomorrow. So, Yeah, it's, it's, just, it, it's just incredible. I went out and trapped here at my house. I've got pet turkeys, and they're tearing up my pet turkeys, and I've trapped – in, in you know 14 days i caught 10 raccoons and possums it's like what <laughs> we can are you ki- kidding me yeah we can kill raccoons and possums 24 7 365 in georgia now so i know i heard about that i think dave dave owens was pushing for that real hard i saw it on his page but i i think it's those I, yeah i'm not going to get in on, i think that the biggest problem in my opinion for our turkey decline is the predation man how is a turkey supposed to live when every every freaking um, raccoon and possum and coyote, I mean, I, I I don't even think the coyotes as much as the raccoons and possums. I mean, every nest they got to be getting torn up. Yeah, know? and I think that's going to be a, a big thing that comes to, to comes to legislation in the next few years is going to be the the not hunting in Tennessee. So we'll see what happens with it. Yeah, I hope so. I'll tell you, you want to talk about a state that's doing it right. South Dakota, they're paying paying kids and people ten dollars a raccoon or whatever it is that they trap. They're they're doing a reward system right now on it. I wish Georgia and would you, do something. You want to like look that. at if they do, you, you yeah, we, me and you's gonna be rich. But I'll go ahead and tell you if they allow <laughs> if they start paying for raccoons and possums and coyotes, maybe not coyotes because we only kill a few of those. But I could kill enough raccoons in a night. I mean, we see them; I mean, they're everywhere. Because I'm we, sure. It is unbelievable. No, yeah. yeah, that's it. And it, it, I bet you it wasn't always like that when they were trapping real hard and there were people coon hunting and stuff. How many times did we uh, tree coons when we was growing up and we didn't didn't shoot them out? I mean, we're like, well, we're gonna have to tree that one again. Now it's like kill every coon you can see because you're yep. seeing fifteen or twenty at a time out on night sun. You could take a shit eater dog right now and turn it into something, <laughs> couldn't you, boy? <laughs> you can you can make a bad dog look good in Georgia right now. <laughs> Both. That, that's that's so incredible. Favorite turkey recipe. Mm, that's a good one. Favorite turkey. Oh man, I'm. I mean, I'm. I've had it a lot of different ways, but you cannot beat it with the panko breadcrumbs, man. 
I'm not, I'm just gonna be honest with you. There's no better. There's no better way, in my opinion, to eat that thing. Take that panko breadcrumbs, egg, and fry it. And I don't like it. I don't like it though, fully submerged in it. I like I like a little bit of olive oil in the bottom of the pan, a little crispy. Okay, my turkey you cooked yep. the other night was pretty good, and you you had it just in flour, did you? I did. Yep. That's yeah. See, I'm, I'll tell you one thing. I'm, that I don't I don't have time to 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 come up with a different recipe for turkey. I eat that stuff so fast. I'm eating it as fast as I possibly can, and I'll just I keep panko breadcrumbs with me in the back of my truck. I'll run all over Washington, Oregon, Idaho. I'll just cook them as I shoot them. Shoot you, man. Bo, is there anything we left but, out that you, that you didn't get to cover that you'd like to? No, man. I No, I just I, – it's been awesome. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to let me be on here. Oh, we, it was so awesome. We're glad you came on and talked, and we know our listeners are going to enjoy this. Yeah, and if you're not already, Thank make you. sure you go over and follow Bo um, on TikTok or, or Instagram or anywhere you can find him. I mean, he puts out some great content, great video, great instructional stuff. What are you grinning about? Nothing. I was just I, I forgot to thank him a second ago, and and I'm, I'm no professional by no means, but I did take his uh, turkey tip on gobbling, and I've been trying to work on that with my diaphragm call, but it's it's tough. It's tough. It's 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 tough to get the right amount of air to blow that much air. I mean, I feel like. You have to build so much air up to get it to come out, and he makes it look so easy. But any other way, I could never do it. Yeah. Well, you used to let me j- jiggle your jaws, and you'd do it all the time. But it was – I mean, it's oh, – man. <laughs> there, I would reach around the seat, and I'd say, gobble, Nick, and I'd just shake his head, and he'd just go to the goblin. That's but, a fat joke, Bo. <laughs> Golly, you got – Man, we'll go turkey hunting. Oh, well, you bring your butt down here to Georgia. You got a place to stay wherever. We'll put you up wherever you need to be. And uh, we hope, hopefully, you can get down here and and sit in studio with us sometime and we can tell some stories and stuff like that. Because for anyone that's not following along with you already, if they want a positive light in the industry and and to see somebody that's doing it the right way, you're doing it. And we definitely appreciate it appreciate you taking the time to come on and be with us tonight i really really appreciate it i've got to i've got to say if they need some if they need some custom mouth calls go check them out on our website because i'm just trying to make a living here selling turkey calls and that's at power but call I, that's power calls yeah power-calls.com okay they, we my wife and i we hand build all of them what's your social media links it would just it'd be power calls okay all right. Yep. 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 Awesome. And I mean, so Bo, Bo Brooks signature series is my favorite, but Hey man, I got to If I do in the podcast, I got to got to try and sell some calls here. My boss is going to be like, what are you doing? So, well, we appreciate no, it, Bo. And, and if, uh, if we can ever do anything for you, make sure you reach out to us. Well, I'll be sleeping in your yard. I know where you live. <laughs> we got air conditioning <laughs> in the studio. Perfect. That's it. I'll tell you what. The last few times I hunted Georgia, it was cold. <laughs> I we'll hunted t- early. We'll turn the heat on for you too, brother. <laughs> yeah, we got a heater in here. Perfect. Too. <laughs> that sounds good. Hey, Bo. That sounds good. Well, I appreciate you guys. Good luck this season, man. Be safe. Safe travels out there. Okay. All right, brother. Bye. See you, man. Bye. Darn everybody, Bo Brooks. I mean, what could you say? I loved it. Dropped her first beef on the show. Dropped her first. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to have to beep that one. <laughs> but I will say this, meeting him was just like I had anticipated. You told me, very nice guy, met him in NWTF, and he was just as genuine. And, and watching him interact with the people that love to come see him, it's great. Mm. Well, 
I got to go get my damn dictionary, I guess. <laughs> Give him one jab and he, he, he burns me to the ground, don't he, Tyler? <laughs> Cut me all deer season. I give him one. So we're going to Spokane. I say Spokane. Doing? I suppose Spokane. I say it all. <laughs> it don't matter. We're going out west. <laughs> or is that where y'all flying into this year? Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so hateful. <laughs> As we announced on last week's episode, if you want to get an opportunity at the Fox Fest that is uh, dropped on our website, make sure you go over and check it out. Great things coming with that. We've already got a lot of interest in it, and uh, a lot of tickets are going out the door. So make sure you go over and get your opportunity at winning it. It is uh, it is a great thing and a great cause that it's going to. And uh, for for everyone that doesn't know, on March 25th and 26th, we'll be, be at the mill uh, at Reformation Brewery on Etowah, the mill at Etowah Sportsman's Outdoor Show. We'll be there with Cruiser Outdoors. Or talk about it outdoors. Cruiser Saddles. Uh, who else is going to be there, Nick? Lamar's Trail Stop, Pistol Creek, Tyler and Caleb, as I said on the last call, probably playing all kinds of stuff there. So Fork and Spoon? Who's that? I don't know. <laughs> Ain't that the name of their band? Fork and Spoon? Yeah. Was, <laughs> no, I can't say it. <laughs> or, spo- or Two Spoons. Yeah, yeah, Two Spoons. All <laughs> us. Oh, me. What else you got? Um, <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> You hate the rascal. Two, 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 two spoons in a trash can. <laughs> two spoons in a doggy bag. Oh God, that was who was the doggy bag, Brandon? <laughs> Shouldn't it be more like fresh sheets? <laughs> fresh sheets, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fresh, fresh sheets. Mouth calls. That'd be a good one there. Uh, oh, me. NWTF references. You can't ask for anything more. What happens in Nashville stays in Nashville. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of laughs to be had. Come Not, out a few laughs with us. And Morgan Wallen said, leave them Broadway girls alone. Yeah, he meant yeah. leave that bourbon alone. Yeah, yeah. We didn't go to Broadway. <laughs> we didn't go to Broadway. I, that was probably the best decision we made was not going downtown. <laughs> yeah. We felt felt bad enough as it was. but <laughs> No, we didn't. <laughs> well, we is in, we. Ah, I got a rat. You got a rat in your pocket. <laughs> yeah. Ain't that old saying? Yeah. Well, y'all come be with us again when you can. Come see us at all the shows. Uh, if you want to see us get someone on, make sure you reach out to us on social media. <laughs> I can't even be serious on a close that I'm thinking about poor old Tyler. <laughs> uh, for everyone here at Talk About It Outdoors, we want to remind you to smile as you go, but don't forget Mouth of Memories. Building the foundation of your life starts at the base. And the stronger it is, the better. Talk About It Outdoors is proud of our strong partnership with United Concrete and Paving and the foundation of support they provide. Whether your new home being built needs concrete work or that driveway you're tired of beating all the bearings from your pickup needs a paving, Michael and his team can provide any residential or commercial project support you might need from the ground up. If you're tired of tripping over that unsettled patio slab or a future shop build needs a smooth start, United Concrete and Paving can get you going when you need it most. Give them a call at 404-831-3036 and make sure you tell them them TAI boys are where you heard it first. A few years back, When an overbearing and overgrown backyard became an eyesore, I looked for a solution to resolve. 
LRS Land Services created a stunning and complete transformation turnkey at an affordable price with their mulching services. Not limited to mulching, LRS can provide turnkey grading and clearing, maintenance, right-of-way clearing, and even development for any and all forestry needs. With an innovative outlook on what is best for your land and a completely different approach than others, LRS can transform your overgrown eyesore into a beautiful landscape of your dreams. Give them a call at 404-889-1105 or check their work out on Facebook at LRS Land Services. Logan and his team are ready to make your land brand new again. Are you in need of a decluttering barn or garage slap full of stuff you just don't need? Or is your construction site needing a dumpster? Give our buddy Tony at Georgia Junk and Dumpster Rental a call. With services ranging from junk removal to roll-offs, Georgia Junk is here to help with any and all removal needs. If it's time to get that parking spot back or the boat needs a place inside, Tony and his team can surely assist. Servicing Cherokee, Cobb, Bartow, and surrounding counties, give them a call at 404-406-3501 or check them out on Facebook at Georgia Junk. Clean up the yard in short order with Georgia Junk. 